Hi moms, I'm Becca Carnahan. And I'm Marie Tremblay. We're two mom friends and career development professionals here to help you answer that big question. What do I want to be when I grow up? Just because we're moms now doesn't mean that we're all the way grown up yet. I know I'm not. Me neither. And we want to give you permission to grow, change, and evolve as a parent and professional. By sharing real stories from real moms, including our own, we're going to help you navigate the motherhood identity shift, career changes, work-life balance questions, and more. Are you ready to keep growing up with us? Yes? Then let's do this. Welcome back to the When Mommy Grows Up podcast. Welcome back, everyone. We are excited to have you with us today. We're going to be talking about a big one today. We're talking about interviews Mm -hmm. and interview stress and the interview process. And Marie's going to start us off here with a little story about interviews. Yes. So this week, we decided to talk about Ida. Uh, Ida is, um, she's 35. She's a mom of three. And she lives outside of Chicago. As a transitioning teacher, she was excited uh, that her applications for customer success manager roles were getting into the right hands, Mm -hmm. and she was receiving calls for interviews. But at the same time, she and her husband were juggling full-time jobs, three kids, as we said, and the schedules of their kids, obviously. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, a lot going on. (laughs) Yes. Um, Interviewing became a lot, and that might sound familiar for a lot of you. Uh, It was nerve-wracking going into these conversations, and there were so many, and she didn't know how best to prepare. So she ended up having more first-round interviews that were not going anywhere. Ida's story might stick out to you because she's making this transition. She's getting interviews, which is great. Go Ida. This is awesome that she's mm. getting the interviews. Let's let's give her credit or credit is due here that she is clearly coming across on paper mm-hmm. to companies that she could be the right fit. But then she's getting into these interview processes that seem like they are taking forever or going nowhere. Yeah. So what's up with uh, those long interviews nowadays? Yeah. There are so many rounds Um, I feel like sometimes it's like a never ending process. Yes. Yeah. I think a lot of people are feeling that Mm -hmm. right now. If you see it in the news, people are talking about this a lot. What's going on with interviews? And here's a couple things I think that are happening. One is that we're moving a lot of over the past few years. A lot of interviews have moved online Hmm. and Think about the ease for a company of having people do Zoom interviews or Google Meet interviews or whatever it is, instead of having people come into the office. That's a good point. They can interview more people and Mm -hmm. have those people meet with other people. So it just becomes easier, hopefully for the candidate, but also for the company to have more interviews. So technology is one. It's definitely something Ida was facing. She was doing a lot of online interviews. There's also these other tools, assessments or work projects that companies are adding into the process. Some of it's technology. It's easier for them to test out a candidate's ability before they have them join the team. So they add these other elements to the process. But also, to the company's credit, they are trying to make sure that they have the right candidates for the roles. Hiring is really expensive. It can be a lot for a company to bring someone on to a team they want to make sure they're making the right decision retention is not as long as it used to be too right it's a different world it's a Um, different world people don't stay to companies 15 years nowadays Mm -hmm. which is fine which is fine like people don't need to stay there forever but uh, (laughs) it takes a lot for a company to make sure they have the right Mm. people so there's technology there's finding the right match for the role and also again to the company's credit adding more interviews into the process can be good for the candidate and the company because there are ways to decrease bias 
as part of the process. We've all been part of conversations. I know this sounds very familiar to me. We're like, oh, I can totally see myself like going out after work with this person or this person's just like me. So they, they would do great in this role. That's bias in the interview process when you're doing the just like me type of bias. So one way that companies are trying to mitigate for that, which is good, is having more interviews asking kind of set set questions of this of candidates so that they're not being like oh this person just seems great we should hire them no we know that based on the stories that they're sharing and the examples they would be a really good fit for this position hmm. or based on the work sample that they gave we can see really clearly that this person would be a great match for this role and be able to add a lot of value that's what we want in the interview process we want to get to that level but but it takes it takes a lot, a lot of time. Of it takes a lot of time. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's what Ida was dealing with. She was she's getting stressed. So yeah, let's address uh, that anxiety because of course it's exciting at first when you you get called for those interviews. Yeah. But obviously, like it creates a lot of anxiety. It takes a lot from people to it, go through this whole process. It totally does, and from multiple levels again too, mm-hmm. like actually preparing for interviews can and take time and if you don't know the process and how to prepare for interviews really well then you just start to go into a spiral so we're going to talk about a process here in a couple minutes and logistically you're juggling with a lot mm-hmm. uh, Ida as a parent of three kids um, so do you have any advice on how to possibly make that process more efficient mm-hmm. <laughs> and avoid I mean if you're lucky avoid a few rounds of interviews yeah efficiency is key here mm-hmm. and if you can really get across to your interviewers that you are the ideal person for this role and that you can solve problems for them. That's a good mindset to bring into this. How can you really clearly show to an employer how you can solve problems for them? And you have to do mom, some research uh, for that first. You do, you do. But you're a mom. You know, you know how to solve problems. Oh, yeah. um, we we solve problems all the time, and Ida's solving problems all the time too. So if we can come to that with our with that mindset. And do the research, figure out what those problems are that the company is really looking for. And the job description honestly tells you what those problems are. Yeah. It does. It, it lists out like what are they looking for someone to do in the role, early conversations about the position, maybe with a recruiter screen might tell you about what is the problem that they're trying to solve by hiring for this mm-hmm. position. So you have a lot of good data. Now you need to take that data and prepare for your interview in the best way. And I think one of the best ways to prepare is by writing down your stories. Mm. And we talked about stories a little bit last time. We talk about stories every day on this podcast when we're we're on here because we know that stories are what engages our brains. So we should use Mm. that same strategy when you're going in to interview prep. With always having in mind the problems that they need you to solve. Uh huh. That's how you tell your story. Exactly. Yeah. Um, There's a framework. And I love a good framework that yes, we talked about. Yes, we always uh, do. <laughs> so let's do that. So uh, definitely go back and listen to the personal branding to kind of get to that tell me about yourself question mm-hmm. for an interview. If you nail that. But now you're, you're going to make the best of, best of this much easier. You're going more in depth because you're sitting obviously they like you they called Mm -hmm. you you're there Mm -hmm. so you have to be more specific about uh your story yes how do you do that yeah how do you pull out uh the aspects that will make you shine Mm -hmm. in possibly an efficient way that you will avoid a few rounds yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. let's pull out those examples so we do the tell me about yourself and then they're going to ask you 
usually some behavioral type of questions. So what I mean by behavioral is tell me about a time when this Mm. happened or can you give me an example of when you did this? So that's when you should have your specific stories. And the framework that I like to use for this is the SOAR framework. So if you're not familiar with this, and most people probably are not because I'm a career nerd and Mm -hmm. this is what I do. um, The SOAR. S-O-A-R. S-O-A-R. Yes. So let's start with S. S stands for situation. So you need to set the context. It's basically like the setting of the story. Then we go to O. That's the obstacle. So what is the problem that you are trying to solve when you are going through this situation mm-hmm. uh, at your old job or wherever it was? And then the action. Stand, that's the A for action. What are the specific actions that you took to solve that problem? And not your entire team, not everyone you knew. Like, Uh, what did you do? It's the time to make you shine. Yes. It's your interview. It's your interview. Mm -hmm. They're they're interviewing you. So what were the actions that you took? Go ahead and take credit, please, for those actions. (laughs) It's hard for so many people. I know. Thank you for saying that because we, it's the time where you have to take credit. Yeah. Go ahead. And you did those things. You, you did. Like, if you weren't there, this would not have gone as well for your past company. Mm. You really did make an impact. So give yourself some credit for those actions. And then the last part, which is really important, is the result. What was the result of the action? Some people tell a story in an interview, but they leave out the result. They'll say, oh, yeah, that reminds me of the time that I led a big project and there was a lot of different moving pieces and I had to work across different teams. And then they end the story. And that just leaves the interviewer being like, okay, but were you any good at it? I know you have an example that you did it, but were you any good at it? That's so true. That's so true. And that's why a framework is so efficient Mm -hmm. for anyone going through this process. Mm -hmm. It makes it so much easier. So when you're preparing and you're trying to make your preparation Mm -hmm. more efficient, look at that job description. Look to see what are the problems that they're clearly trying to solve for by Mm -hmm. having someone in this role. And then sit down with your pen and paper and outline this out. What is the what are the stories that you have that show you can do these things really sore, well? Sore, sore. It makes me it makes me think of how when I read stories to my kids. Yeah, it's like you set the context. You have an a problem, an obstacle, mm-hmm. and then you have a result. You have a happily ever after. <laughs> happily ever after. Yeah, <laughs> you do. And exactly, I think that's a really good way to think about this as you are thinking about how you're going to approach your interview prep, think about the best stories that you tell your kids. I'm glad that Marie brought that up because think about the best stories you tell their kids. If you're left at the end of a book saying like, well, whatever happened to the third bunny? They never really brought that bunny back into your the story. Your kid is going to ask you what happened to that bunny. Yes. <laughs> your kid's going to want to know. The employer's going to want to know uh-huh. what happened to the third bunny. Mm-hmm. So let's tell them what happened to the third bunny. So, so how did Ida go through this? Yeah. So... Having this framework was a game changer for Ida. She was able to, because what happened as we talked about her story is that she was getting a lot of interviews, but then some of these interviews weren't going anywhere. She was getting a first round interview and then they were just kind of passing on Ida. That's the point where she was reaching out to the career clarity program and Mm -hmm. she was looking for feedback at that stage in her interviews. Yeah. And she asked for help, which is another good reminder. Yes. Ask for help. I know it's hard as a mom. (laughs) Uh, We don't ask for help, but Ida asked for help. And I'm glad that she did because what we were able to do is say, 
okay, I'd, are you telling the result of your stories? And it was like, nope, I wasn't telling what about my teaching experience, what were the results that I helped to drive? And that's what was going to make her a really good customer success manager because she was able to work with different different groups of people. She was able to bring people together. She's able to understand their needs. So she needed to give the results of her teaching stories and some of the departments that she led and projects that she led as a teacher. And what a great way to boost your confidence too, oh, right? Yes. yes. Uh, it's so great when you can sit down and outline these stories for yourself and be like, huh, that is the hmm. result that I drove. I am pretty amazing. And it's a good exercise. <laughs> it is a good exercise. We should take the time to talk about how amazing we are. Hmm. So this really helped Ida to have a framework. And it was a she was able to kind of get into her groove with her interviews. And instead of having tons of first rounds, then she started getting into second round interviews. And yes, it was still mm -hmm. logistical. And we should talk about some of the issues that Ida faced with some interviews that were going on for too long. When should you pull out yeah. of this process uh -huh. when it's too time consuming? And too time consuming or you just don't feel like there are there's enough transparency or communication and there's red flags that are starting to pop up about oh. the company culture. Can you give us yeah, can you give us an example of the red flags? Absolutely. So for Ida, she was interviewing at a couple different places. And one of these companies, she was she would go through an interview and it seemed like it went really well. And then it would be kind of radio silence. And she didn't know when she was going to hear back. She was like, okay, well, I'll just kind of hang on and see How what's going on. How long is radio silence? Yeah, she wouldn't hear back for like two weeks. Oh, okay. That's and she was like, she was like yeah. what is going on okay. here? And I know like even a day or two can feel like radio silence to people, but it was starting to <laughs> yeah. get too long for Ida. And she was trying to manage other interview processes too. So then she would hear back and then she would be invited back for another interview and things would start to pick up again, but then they wouldn't give her enough communication. And then the real kicker came when they started asking Ida to interview after five o'clock uh, in oh. the evening. And she was like, huh, is this their culture that they're consistently working into the evenings? Or then they started asking oh. her to, can you be available? Um, in 15 minutes for an interview. They huh. were, so they were kind of scattered. They weren't really respectful of her time. And remember, Ida's a busy mom of three. She yeah. already has another full-time job. Uh, her husband has a full-time job. She has three kiddos that she's managing a lot of stuff for. Yeah. She wants to make sure that she's finding a right company culture. A good fit for her. And yes. flexibility is not their first value for sure. No, <laughs> they weren't They weren't valuing her time. They weren't respecting her as much as she knew she would need to be respected in a role because she's not just looking to go buy a pair of socks, right? Like she's trying to commit herself to a mm. job that she's ideally going to be in for the next year, two years, three years. Mm -hmm. So she needs to make sure it's the right fit for her. So when Ida started seeing these red flags pop yeah. up, that's when it made sense for her to be like, you know what? I, thank you so much for your, for considering me as a candidate for this role. I've decided to pull myself out of the process wow. for right now. And Good she did. Her. Oh yeah. Good for Ida for sure. It's, it's scary to do. But if Ida had kept going with this interview process, think about how much more time she would have spent mm. interviewing for a job that she knew deep down was not the right fit for her. Mm -hmm. We have to let go of that people-pleasing aspect of us mm -hmm. sometimes. We do. Yeah. And it was, it was hard for her to do that. But what it allowed her to do was to take her time back 
and use that time for other interviews at the right places at the right places and that's exactly where she landed Mm. she um, is in a really great job right now that's such a good fit for her she was making this transition I want to share that too that if you're trying to transition from one industry to another industry Ida is a great example um, of someone she was transitioning from education into tech and she was able to do it uh, because she had a lot of transferable skills Mm. so there's one another point here for Ida Um, but now she also found a company that really allowed her to live the life that she wanted to live and be respected as a professional the way that she wanted to be respected and she asked them those questions Hmm. throughout the process and we should note that that an interview is not just a one-way street oh, thank you for bringing that up yeah you have to ask questions too you do to get to to be able to see those red flags yep yeah. you need to know the right need to know the right questions to ask mm-hmm. you need to be really specific about the questions that you're asking what some people will say is they'll say what's the culture like here super vague super general question yeah what would be a great question for a parent to ask in an interview yeah so one of the one of my favorite questions to ask in an interview is when you're doing your company research, mm. and Ida definitely did this. She was looking at companies that she wanted to know what their values were, what they were all about, what they said they were all about. What they said they what were they all said about. They're all That's about. the difference. Uh-huh. Yeah. So she saw on their websites that she was looking for, she would use research tools uh, like People First Jobs. She would use Flex Jobs. We work remotely. She had a couple other uh, websites. That's shiny, but are they really Uh, doing it? (laughs) Are they really doing it? So she had to look at their values. And then what she did is she turned that question, she turned that value into a question. Hmm. And she would ask people in an interview and say, I saw that being family first is a, a value of your company, which really resonates with me. Mm. And I'm really excited about that. Can you share with me how senior leadership models that value? Wow. Ooh, that's a good question. And what was their answer? Do yeah. you know? Um, so for some companies, she was, she was able to get a really good answer in the company that she actually ended up with. They would say, yeah, our senior leadership really takes this seriously. And we, we know that we are logging off at 4.30, actually. Um, I know our senior senior leader, she is always leaving at 4.30 because she is going home and she wants to be home for dinner every night. That's really important to her. And she models that by doing it. She's not just saying that we can go do whatever we want. You can see her doing it. And that was really, it felt really good for Ida because some of it is that she wanted to work really hard. She loved the field that she was going into. Mm-hmm. But she also had some non-negotiables about wanting to be home for dinner, wanting to be able to go to her kids, her kids games after like, and it wasn't even not not that big of an ask. She wasn't looking to just not work for seven hours in the middle of the day. She was looking to be able to get home at, at four 35 o'clock to be there for her kids games. Wasn't a big ask. Um, So she found companies that that value was actually not just stated, but it was lived out. And she asked Mm -hmm. the specific question so that she knew what she was going into. So we're going to wrap up our conversation about interviews and stay tuned for next week because we're going to talk about those who took the great and big decision to stay home with their kids and exit the paid workforce, which is such an important term, right, Becca? Mm -hmm, Exactly. You are doing a ton of work as a stay-at-home parent. It's unpaid work, but it's, it's work. Not always goal oriented. It's very it's it's different. You're different it's a very different yeah. experience. But you're going to see through this story 
that -hmm. we're going to share next. We're going to talk about Shannon Mm -hmm. next week. And Shannon's story is going to be really powerful as you think about your own transition Mm -hmm. from being a stay-at-home mom to returning back to the paid workforce. Yes, because it is a huge transition. So stay tuned. Thanks for tuning in to the When Mommy Grows Up podcast. If you're interested in learning more about how career coaching can help you along your journey of growing up as a mom and professional, head over to beccacarnahan.com slash free training for a free training on how to land a flexible job you love without spending hours scrolling job boards. You can contact us at podcast at nextchaptercareers.us if you have questions, comments, or want to share your story for some coaching on the show. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review and make sure you follow us on your favorite podcast platform. We'll be here every week with coaching stories and two mom friends in your corner.